Know my heart in my key ten a Welcome to the panel on RNZ National Wallace Chapman. Happy Friday. Lovely to be with you. Just some traffic for you first up uh, just coming through um, just a few minutes ago. A crash is blocking the right westbound lane on State Highway 16, just after the link to State Highway 20 Waterview Tunnel. Merge left with care and expect uh, delays there. So that's a crash there. And also, um, there was a crash blocking lane 105 of northbound on the State Highway 1 Harbour Bridge, but that crash has now just been pushed off the bridge. Expect northbound delays from uh, the Spaghetti Junction as congestion resumes to normal. And State Highway 77, some tree felling uh, do plan ahead for up to three weeks of road closures between Leeches Road and Rakaia Gorge Road, Monday to Friday between 8am and 5pm each day starting Monday. Uh, the road will open on the hour, every hour, to allow queued traffic through uh, the site. So plan ahead up to three weeks of road closures between Leeches Road and Rakaia Gorge Road uh, every hour on the hour. So coming up on the program, uh, one of the most powerful storms to hit the US. Alexis was in an apartment in Naples, Florida. The waves just smashed through her heavy security door secured by a metal cross brace. She joins us just after four. How one local council is fighting back on voter apathy, doing everything they can. That on the show. Also today, these regional banking hubs, you know the ones that are meant to replace your local bank, they aren't working as well as they should. We talk about that this afternoon. Plus, do you find the middle finger offensive? Because it appeared in a high-end TV ad about hepatitis C, several times the middle finger. There were complaints. And why is it important to have trust in media or is it important to you? Because trust in media is declining, a new report on that. And taking a two-hour Māori approach to mental health. We talk about that at 10 to 5, capping off Mental Health Week this week. You can text me, 2101. You can email the panel at rnz.co.nz. With us, our monoheli today, Julia Hartley-Moore from Julia Hartley-Moore Limited. Now, they are a New Zealand government-licensed private investigator. Julia, well, well, well. Well, well, well. It's been a long time, has it not? It's been over a year since I have been in here. More like two years. Could have been three. It's been ages. It feels like forever, doesn't (laughs) it? Hey, good to see you. Good to see you, and you look the same. Do I? You look fabulous. (laughs) So do you, Julie. Kia ora. Nice to have you in. Thank you, Oris. Also with us, Anton Matthews, Managing Director of Hustle Group. Now, that includes the likes of Joe's Garage, Fush, Angutu Charitable Trusts. Anton, kia ora. Lovely to have you back on also. Tēnā koe, Wallace. Tēnā koe, Julia. Nice to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Lovely to have you. Lovely to meet you. We're all here. We're all here. Let's dive into the Friday mailbag. Mental Health Week. We are going to be talking about that. I know, Anton, you're going to bring this up very shortly. Reconnecting with others was a key theme. We discussed this earlier. Thank you for talking about this, Wallace. Here's something that I do when I feel the need to connect but would rather hide away. I stop in, in an op shop. It doesn't cost anything to browse, and you never know what you might see to distract your brain with. Also, the wonderful, caring people who volunteer are always happy to chat if you feel like it. It's a gentle therapy. It helps me. It was invaluable after and even during the earthquakes. I will never forget a big aftershock while I was in the Salvation Army and the care 
that was shown to the shaken customers even after the offer of a cup of tea, life-saving. So that is, um, or Jay from Christchurch, Anton, we'll save yours for a couple of minutes' time. But, Julia, what a wonderful uh, um, piece of feedback that is. It's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. It's, It's nice to know there's good, kind people out there, isn't there? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Would you use inter-regional train travel? I travelled on the southern regularly from Timaru to Dunedin and Timaru to Christchurch, says Belinda. I would also see it used between North Otago and into Dunedin as well. Would use it regularly. I would also like to see it get back into Ranfurly, Maniatotu, as well as up to Central. Um, and another one here, I live in Dunedin. It'd be great to travel north up the coast on the train. Would have to be affordable, not exorbitant tourism prices. Anton, I don't know about you, whether or not you've um, used the, the Southerner before. No, I haven't. But do you know what? Not not because uh, it doesn't interest me. I've heard some really amazing feedback. And in fact, some whānau that I know have said it's, uh, you know, the trip from Mototahi here in Christchurch over to Te Taipotini, over to the West Coast is amazing, you know. Yeah. So it's actually on my list. Um, and, and I know there are some other really famous rail sort of uh, tracks um, from, from here uh, Ototei up the coast. Uh, we've got a beautiful coastline. So oh, yeah. um, it's not that I wouldn't do it. I just haven't got around just to it. Got around and, to it. But I think, you know, if someone, if you're going to give me a ticket, Wallace, and you say, come on, come, <laughs> yeah. on, come along with the whanau, I'll probably take you up on it. It sounds pretty cool. Well, I'll email the producers and see what we can do for our esteemed guests. But um, I, I, I don't know whether you're a train user yeah, no, not, look, whenever I travel, I go train. I try go yeah. on train. Yes, 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 yes. I don't mind the old train. Mm. If it's not a plane, it's a train. Because it's a lovely way to travel, isn't it? Let's, yeah. face, let's face it. But yeah. we just need to get around to it. We've got to do it. Yeah. Now, um, speed limits. Boy, did we have a, a bit of response regarding this. This is a regional plan to come out in the next couple of years. Uh, one is um, for much of the open roads to be, not all, uh, but to be around or at 80 kilometres per hour. Imagine that. Michael says, I have travelled some of the Waikato highways thousands of times in the past 25 years, and I can claim to know this road. There are some parts of the highway which are only safe at 50 k's per hour, other parts equally safe at 120. The idea of a blanket 80 k is simple-minded, bureaucratic attempt to solve problems usually caused by foolish drivers, defective vehicles or black spots on the route. That's one. Um, Another one here, Wallace, why do other countries have 120 kilometre per hour on their motorways and 100 k's on open roads and have less accidents because the drivers are much better trained and aware of the surroundings? We need to do the same, says Ian. So I don't know where you stand on this, um, uh, Anton, whether you think, uh, look, it's about safety, isn't it? But um, do you feel a bit frustrated at 80 k's? Are you more of a 100 k driver? Um, oh well, look, I'm I'm more of a whatever a work within the boundaries of the right. law, sort of plus plus three or four kilometres if no one's looking kind of driver. Um, but look, I mean, I can understand why 80 kilometres on an open road does feel slow. I mean, I think everyone knows that at 80, at 80 kilometres you're going to do less damage if the worst happens and you get into an accident. So logically, it's the right thing. But I think everyone uh, on the other side of the coin, everyone's kind of going, but put me in that car and I want to go 100 or 110. So, look, I can understand. It's, it's a kind of a lose-lose. We all know that 80Ks is probably much safer, but actually everyone wants to go 100, don't they? Um, but your brain so, says you know, otherwise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
sometimes your car says otherwise. Um, but look, I, where I live, it, it is 80 k's. It's it's rural, and it's still okay. it's 80 k. So it's come down. It was 100, and it's come down. And you just get and you get you how get do you, used, how are you finding it. Well, you get you get used to it. Um, you know, I mean, we we don't have autobahns like the like in Germany, and where you can just go hell for leather. But they've got great cars too half the time. And the roads um, recall. Oh, my great, my goodness gracious me! It was an eye opener when the one time I've been to France, and the the motorways were just huge, endless. large, endless, and they were straight. They had yes. a slow curve, yeah. and yes, you could do one thirty five, one forty. Very scary. Didn't like it. No, no, no. Me um, neither. My wife drove, but boy, did we feel safe. Mm. It's a completely different feeling from here, isn't it? It's completely different. So I, I kind of don't mind the fact that we're a hundred on the motorway and eighty. But even so, like that person said, sometimes you've got to re- drive to the conditions, you know? Sure. And should renters be able to have pets like they do in other countries? Some say it's locking many out of rentals. We had one, I think it was in the spin-off, wasn't it, this uh, campaign uh, about rentals, and one person said that uh, they had looked on Trade Me and 14% one for uh, accepted pets. Not good enough, this person said. We had Cindy the landlord on yesterday, uh, and she said, look, just have that corridor, have, have the conversation. She allows two chihuahuas or chihuahua in her rental, and she said, so far, so good. Wallace, says KW, I have a tidy rental property, and I have just spent today looking for a replacement carpet carpet for my property. The tenants had a dog. They tried to hide and ruined the carpet, cut holes and patched areas of carpet where the dog scratched. They also ruined the lawn. Shocking. The carpet was not due for replacement. Why would one rent a property if tenants... Intentionally damaged. Round the panel on this one, Anton. You first. Um, oh well, look. There's been times in my life where I've rented, and there's been times in my life where I've owned homes. Uh, we've always had a pet. We're, you know, I'm a dog kind of guy, so yeah. it is tricky to find a house um, when you are renting that will allow pets. But then, I, you know, I put myself in the landlord's kind of shoes. I mean, the, in an ideal world, you'd have great tenants that. Um, sign on year after year and they treat the house like it's their own and when that happens it's all gravy right but it's it's the worst um you know w- where this conversation becomes relevant is when you get a, a tenant who like you've just described don't take care of the carpets and and then obviously that's when the problems occur i don't know i wonder if there's a way around it is, is there maybe a sort of insurance or something that's, yeah. that that mm. would give landlords the protection that they need um almost like a third-party insurance with cars you know uh, it's not a, it's not necessarily an insurance that the um, landlord has to pay, but there's just some protective measure there. So in case something goes wrong, there's some there's some insurance right. there to cover the sorts of incidents. Brief response, I don't know. Julia. Yeah, no, I think yeah, I agree with you, Anton. I think that's a great idea. Um, I, I mean, I'm a dog kind of person as well. We've got we just lost one. We've got two now. Um, but see, in France, it's like it's pretty much against the law to say you can't have a pet in a rental property or anywhere. So I think it comes down to, though, you feel for the landlords, the people who don't respect property, you know. Um, and you feel for the tenants and, who and you, and you, are trying to build their home and, and security. And yet for people like us who have dogs and if we wanted to go somewhere and you wanted to have your dog. You Imagine. Know, you, you wouldn't leave your dog behind? No, exactly. It's like your kid. All right. Um, time for I've Been Thinking. Shall we start with Anton Matthews because it has been um, Mental Health Week this week? 
Yeah, sure. Um, thank you. It is mental health week. Yeah, and and I've been thinking uh, about hauora. Hauora being the Maori word for you know health and well being, sort of very holistic view of things. Um, look, and, and the reason I've been thinking about it a lot lately, not not only because it's mental health week, but we ran an event in the weekend here in Ōtautahi, um, and we had some amazing Maori um, come along and speak. So we had Stan Walker, we had Piriwepu, Orini oh, Kaipara, wow. uh, Anita Moore, yeah, Stacey and Scotty Morrison, Sir Ian Taylor. And, you know, they came around and it was, the day was all about sort of sharing Māori success stories. But um, one of the common things that kept coming up over and over over again was mental health, uh, mental fatigue, and what a, what a toll it takes on people when they're in those high-pressure jobs and environments. Mm. Um, and then, you know, what, what it often those conversations came on the back of, you know, COVID and lockdown and what a refreshing um, view of the world that was. Uh, but then also, I've also been having a conversation separately with our staff around, you know, if they could re-engineer and, and redesign what a full-time working week would look like, what would it look like? Because, I mean, we've all sort of taught nine to five, Monday to Friday, but but why? You know, why why not 10 hours a day for four days a week? Or why is it even 40? Who decided 40 hours was the magic number? Why not 30 or 32 or 45, you know? So, and, and when I've been talking with people, what I've found is that actually they value time. And so really, I suppose the message, the reason I've been thinking about it is because it, it seems that we haven't quite got it right. Wallace, there's an imbalance there. And I think we ought to kind of look at it, pay attention and try and figure out, you know, what is the balance? Because at Kira, the moment, it's not working. Kia and we'll touch on some of those at the end of the show also. Julia Hartley-Moore, I've been thinking. Well, I've been thinking, Wallace, that I've been at home for far too long because the other day I noticed, uh, I looked at my phone and saw the time and I looked at my watch and I thought, I've had this watch for about 40 years. And I thought, oh my God, it's finally, you know, going to fall apart on me. It's an hour late. And then I sort of, I didn't think much of it, I changed the time on my watch. And then a few days later, I noticed the clocks were wrong, you know, and I thought, oh, my God, the batteries must be going. We need to change all the clocks over. And I said to Steve, there's something wrong with the time in this house. And then it was about 7 o'clock, and he comes in and he goes, you know, God, look at that, just like that, eh? Look how light it is now at 7 o'clock. And then I hop in my car the next day, and I thought, oh, gosh, they must have done some update on my car because it's showing the right time all of a sudden, you know. And I said something to my daughter, and she said, Mother... You know, you realise daylight saving was like a week ago, and I went, "Of oh, course, cool. yeah, of course I did." I mean, <laughs> and then I thought, you know, it is time to get out. It's time to get out. <laughs> yeah, true. Gosh Almighty, do you like it? <laughs> I don't like daylight savings. Well, because it's hard to get up. Oh, I'm it's tired. It's it's always hard and, to get. I'm not enough. Anton. Oh, it throws your body clock out for a few it's days, it, doesn't it? It does. Takes a while. Thank yep. you. That's Very yeah. good. Julia Hartley Moore, Anton Matthews, lots to discuss. We go to Florida just after four.